Good morning. This is Minister S.N. Crockett with Jesus Christ, our Lord Christian Fellowship, and I am coming to you uh, this morning. It's very early. It's 5.05 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. As you know, I normally don't come to you at this hour. I normally broadcast on Friday evenings at uh, 8 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. with my weekly broadcast of the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel. But I thought I would come to you this morning after waking up and scrolling through the uh, different um, apps that I normally scroll through early in the morning, including CNN. And of course, I'm going to talk to you about the Kobe Bryant situation. I want to talk to you from the um, angle of the brevity of life. The brevity of life. Kobe, the black mamba. Kobe, the black mamba, and the brevity of life. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come to you, the only true and living God, the source of all true life. Blessed be your name forever. You are the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You are the resurrection and the life. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of your dear son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. More, more than anything, Lord, this morning we ask that you comfort we ask that you comfort the family of Kobe Bryant, comfort his wife, Lord, for we cannot imagine the unspeakable pain that she's suffering having lost her husband and having lost one of her children. We don't know what her relationship with you is, right, uh, Lord, but you know, and that is something that's in your purview, Lord, for you are the judge of all flesh. We ask that no matter what her rhythm, no matter what her relationship is with you. We ask that you comfort her. And we ask that you comfort that family. We ask that you comfort the immediate and extended family. We ask, Lord, by Jesus Christ, your dear son, blessed be his name forever. We ask that uh, you help us to reflect on our own lives, to know that life is but a vapor, and that we must make a decision for your son, Jesus Christ on this side of the grave. For once we exit this world, whatever decision we've made on this side of the grave is final, and that we cannot change our mind once we reach the other side of the grave. We ask that you give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding and an ear to hear what your Holy Spirit is saying to the churches. We ask that if any who if there are any who are not believers in Jesus who will, hear, who will hear this broadcast, we ask that you will touch their hearts and that they will receive the truth of the gospel that is in your dear Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to whom be glory, power, majesty, and dominion, both now and forever. Amen. I'm going to come to you this morning uh, from two passages of Scripture, one in the Old Testament, and one in the New Testament. The Old Testament passage is found in Proverbs, Book of Wisdom, Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Do not boast about tomorrow. For you do not know what a day 
may bring forth. One more time. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. We must take seriously the opportunities that have been placed before us concerning Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God's dear Son. We must take advantage of the opportunity to get saved and to walk away from a sinful lifestyle. We must take advantage of that opportunity because we don't know, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know what tomorrow may bring forth. We must accept Jesus Christ as God's dear son while we have a chance. The fact that God has allowed us to breathe one more day, one more minute, one more second, one more hour, that's God giving us another chance. That's God extending his hand of grace to us one more time. I don't know what Kobe Bryant's relationship was with God. That's not my in, uh, intent. I don't know what his relationship with God was. That's not my call. I didn't know him personally. I wasn't a Laker fan. I'm a Knicks fan. So uh, I've been a Knicks fan since I was a little boy. So I don't know what, the, what his relationship with God was. But I do know that he was a man and that he had a family. And I do know that he woke up yesterday morning intending to uh, do some things with his family, specifically with his daughter. Uh, and he never uh, made it back home. He had no idea. She had no idea that they would not be coming home. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Some people live to be 101. Some live to be 21. Some live to be 31. Kobe Bryant lived to be 41. His daughter lived to be 13. It sounds cruel. It sounds unjust. It sounds unfair. Well, I'm here to tell you life is unfair. Life is unfair. And because life is unfair, and because life is so unpredictable, we must take advantage of the opportunities that God has given us. Because longevity of life to quote or almost quote the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He said he would like to live a long life. He said longevity has its place. He said that on April 3rd, 1968. Barely 24 hours later, he was gone. April 4th, 1968, he was gone. That was his last sermon. He said, I would like, he said, like any man, I would like to live a long life. He said longevity has its place. It was almost like a premonition, like he knew that his time was about up because of the, he even said it in his sermon, 
because of the vicious nature of some of our quote-unquote sick white brothers. Martin Luther King, gone at 39. Malcolm X, gone at 39. Sam Cooke, gone. I, I didn't look up his age, but I know he wasn't 40. Jimi Hendrix, gone at 27. Whitney Houston, gone at 48. And the list goes on and on. Kurt Cobain, gone I want to say 27. There, there's a club called the 27 Club. It's made up of famous people, entertainers who died at age 27. Janis Joplin, gone at age 27. Amy Winehouse, gone at age 27. Jimi Hendrix, gone at age 27. You've noticed the, these are all entertainers, etc. I understand that. But there are other people who are not entertainers, gone 27, 21, 12. 14, 20, 40. My daddy died at 45. My daddy died at age 45 of cancer. Had a sore on the bottom of his foot that he never looked into in a timely manner. This is back in the 1970s. He had a sore on the bottom of his foot that wouldn't heal. That right there should have been a red flag. But you know how we men are. We, we tend to you know ignore medical red flags had a sore on the bottom of his foot that wouldn't heal by the time he got it looked at during his yearly physical he worked at the chevy plant chevrolet plant in buffalo new york the east delavan plant if anybody's familiar with buffalo he worked at the chevrolet east delavan plant and by the time by the time he got it looked at got it examined his yearly physical the cancer had already spread to his liver, to his brain. So my father died on May 2nd, 1979, at age 45. I'm 62. He died at age 45 in 1979. May 2nd, we buried him May 5th. And I remember telling the Lord at that time, and I didn't grow up a Christian, I didn't grow up going to church, I didn't grow up in a church-going family. But the Lord had been had been dealing with me. He had, he had started dealing with me. And I remember this was about the at the and at the the timing was you know the Lord's. I remember telling the Lord, I said because I was about to make my decision for Jesus. I said, Lord, if you'll give me strength to be a pallbearer at my father's funeral, I'll serve you. Now, I didn't grow up. Going to church, I'd read the Bible a little bit, lying on my stomach in the attic in, at 61 Hetley Place in Buffalo, New York, and I used to lie on my stomach and read the Old Testament. I was fascinated by how the word and was used over and over and over and over again, because you normally don't see that in, in regular writings, and, and, and God said to Moses, and God said to Aaron, and Moses said to Aaron, and God said to Pharaoh. I was fascinated by the word and. I don't know why I was just fascinated. But I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't grow up, you know, being trained to be a Christian, etc. So for me to talk to the Lord as though we were intimate friends, this had to be a revelation from God. This had to be an opening of the eyes of my understanding from God. And I said, Lord, 
if you'll give me the strength to be a pallbearer at my father's funeral, I will serve you. He died on May 2nd. We buried him May 5th. Funeral was Calvary Baptist Church, Buffalo, New York. That was the church that his family, his siblings, his mother had gone to. Calvary Baptist Church, I think it was down on Sherman Street or something like that. Genesee Street, I can't remember. Somewhere in that downtown area. My memory fades me. Uh, we buried him. His funeral was May 5th. He's buried out at the Forest Lawn Cemetery, Buffalo, New York. We buried him May 5th. And I, again, I said, Lord, if you give me the strength to be a pallbearer at my father's funeral, I'll serve you. I was a pallbearer at my father's funeral. We, we funeralized him on May 5th, on May the 20th, two weeks later. It was a Sunday. I got on my knees and accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That was a Sunday. I went to work the next day. I was in the Air Force. I went to work the next day at the base hospital, Robbins Air Force Base, Warner Robbins, Georgia, which is where I was stationed. I went to work the next day preaching Jesus Christ. Glory to God. I went to work the next day preaching Jesus Christ, that he's the Son of God. True story. Facts. We buried, he died on May 2nd, 1979. We funeralized him May 5th. 1979, barely two weeks later, just over two weeks later, two weeks in a day, and it was a Sunday because I went back and checked. It was a Sunday. I bowed my feet at the, at the majestic, I bowed my knees at the majestic feet of him who has, Jesus said, I have the keys of Hades and death. I'm going to follow him who has the keys he has the keys, meaning he can let you out. He can decide not to let you out. I'm following Jesus. All these people who want to follow all this, these other entities, these gods, that's their choice. They certainly have a right to make that choice. I'm going to follow Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, follow me, though you'll die physically, you'll have eternal life. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm 62. My birthday is March the 4th. There's no guarantee that I'll see 63. It's not guaranteed. Do not boast about tomorrow, Proverbs 27 and 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know. You see that? You don't know. It didn't say God doesn't know. It says you don't know. You do not know what a day may bring forth. You don't know. Kobe didn't know. Kobe didn't know. The report that I read, and I don't know how accurate it is, but TMZ, you know, as for all of its criticisms that it gets, it's, TMZ is normally pretty accurate. They, they were the first ones to report the death of Michael Jackson. Ironically, the 25th of June, like, Kobe was the 25th of January. 
Michael was the 25th of June. I don't remember the exact year, but I know I know the date because my son's birthday is the 25th of June. TMZ is normally pretty accurate. So there's a report that it was foggy and that the helicopter had to change its um, altitude several times. And the report is from TMZ, and I'm sure we'll get more information as time goes on. The report is that the helicopter slammed into a mountainside. Now that's the report that I read on the TMC, TMZ excuse me, website. So if that's true, then that's what happened. You don't know. You don't know. Life is brief. We've got to stop playing games with God. We've got to stop. We've got to stop. The Bible says the day you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart against God. Don't harden your heart against God because you've seen hypocrisy in the church, in the preacher. The, the church, the preacher didn't die at Calvary's cruel cross for you. Jesus did. The Bible says we should look unto Jesus. Hallelujah. It didn't say look unto Reverend Crockett. You don't want to look unto me. Because you won't have to look far to find fault. The Bible says looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him. The Bible says he endured the cross for you and for me. He endured the cross. Did he enjoy it? No, the Bible says he despised the shame. Jesus despised the shame of Calvary. But he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. See, he had a long view. Being Jesus, he had the long view. He could look into eternity because he's God. He despised the shame of Calvary. He even said in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross, Father, if it be possible, take this cup away from me. I just got finished preaching a series of messages on the gospel according to the Garden of Gethsemane. I dealt with that issue where Jesus said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup. And when he said cup, he meant cup of suffering. He didn't mean cup of something to drink. Take this cup. Of, uh, take this cup, what I'm about to go through, the humiliation at the hands of Romans, being turned over to the Romans to be flogged and humiliated and beaten. Beaten in a way that we, we, we still don't even, can't even describe. Take this, but he said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He despised the shame, but he, he knew that your only chance and my only chance for eternal salvation, for eternal redemption, would be through him. For the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, and it had to be a man's blood, and it had to be sinless blood. That's why Jesus was born of a virgin. He couldn't be born of the union, sexual union of man and woman because the stain of Adam, the sin of Adam would have been upon him and he would have been automatically disqualified to be our savior. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Sins cannot be washed away without the shedding of blood. Animal blood could not save us because Man is made in the image of God. Man is God's highest 
form of creation. I know the angels are higher than we are, and I get that part, but, but angels are not made in the image of God. We are made in the image of God. Animals are not made in the image of God. Animal blood could not save us. The blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, washes away all sins. I pray that Kobe Bryant was saved, but I don't know. It's not my place to say. That's not my call. But let us continue to pray for his family, his wife. We can't imagine. We cannot begin to imagine the pain that this woman will have to deal with. The love of her life is gone. One of her four children, I just thank God all, all, all of her children were not on. I know one of the children is like, you know, a couple of months old, eight months old, something like that. But I just thank God all of her children were not on that uh, helicopter. I know a few years ago, a preacher, Miles Monroe, died in a plane crash. He, his wife, I think one or two of his children, can't remember all the facts, but I know he and his wife and one of his children were on that plane. They died as a result of pilot error. I think it was bad weather down near the Bahamas. I don't know all the facts, but I, I do remember reading about reading about that. He was a preacher. Life is brief. God didn't promise, promise Miles Monroe that he was going to live to be 100. If God promised Miles Monroe that he's going to live to be 100, Miles Monroe would still be here. God didn't promise me that I was going to live to be 100. There are some people even teaching now, and I'm not going to stay on this subject. There are some people, preachers teaching now, that by faith you can live to be 120 if you have the faith. Uh, imagine that. And there are some people who are believing that if you have enough faith, you can live to be 120. There are a few people on this earth, and they are very few, who live to be 115, 120. 116. They are, they are so very few. And they're normally not in the United States. <laughs> they're normally in places like Okinawa, Japan, where, where they have a lot of people who live to be 100 because of the, their diet. People in the United States tend not to live that long because there are certain things, including our diet. I, I said I wanted to live to be 90 so I could see my grandson live to be 30. So I can see my grandson grow up to be a man. And I'd like to live that long. But I need to make certain changes in my life. I need to lose some weight. I need to lose about 50, 60 pounds. If I want to... Did you notice there are no 90-year-old obese people walking around? Did you, have you ever noticed that? None. There are no 90, 100-year-old obese people walking around. So if I want to live to be 90, and if I have the faith and I'm, you know, that I can live to be 90, I'm going to have to do something myself. I'm going to have to lose some weight. I'm, two, I'm 260 pounds. I need to get down to about 200. And that doesn't guarantee it, but at least it increases the chances. But life is brief. We've got to love one another. We've got to stop bickering and fighting in social media all this fighting over over things. Because life is brief. We've got to 
We've got to fear God. We've got to fear the Lord. We've got to fear the Lord. Not a, not a paralyzing fear, but a reverent fear. I read to you from Proverbs 27, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Now let me read another passage in, in James. It's, in, it's the New Testament passage that I said I wanted to read to you. It's, it's almost the same as the Proverbs passage. It's got a little slightly different twist on it. This is James 4 and 13. He says, now listen, you who say, because James was speaking, if you look at the beginning of his letter, he was speaking to Jewish believers. And many of them were very wealthy. And wealthy people tend to, you know, have this exaggerated sense of confidence. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, what some people call the diaspora, the Jewish diaspora. You've heard of the African diaspora. This is the Jewish diaspora where the Jews were scattered. To the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. So he's speaking, James was speaking to Jews. And many of them were wealthy. You can tell in, in reading the whole letter, he rebukes the wealthy. He says, y'all need to stop being so arrogant and trying to act like y'all all that and two bags of chips. So he's speaking to people. Many of them were relatively wealthy. So he's going to say, no, you're wealthy. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city Spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. He's saying, be careful about arrogant boasting. Why, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? James said, I know you got money. Money in the bank, shoddy what you drank. <laughs> I know you got money. You do not know what will happen tomorrow. Don't let your money give you a bad case of the big head. He says, and he, he quotes Proverbs, Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist, M-I-S-T. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. James said, what is your life? I know you, I know you got, you know, money and stocks and bonds and yachts and and uh, gold-plated, you know, faucets, and you know, you're driving a Lamborghini. I know you're big baller, shot caller, but he said, "Be careful. You do not even know what will happen tomorrow." He said, "You don't know. God, only God knows what will happen. You don't know. For all of your money, you don't know. What is your life? You are a mist." that appears for a little while and then vanishes. In the whole scheme of things, we're, we're but a mist. One of the most beautiful songs ever written is a song called Dust in the Wind. All we are is dust in the wind. It's one of the most beautiful songs. You ought to, you ought to listen to it. I don't, know, I don't know the name of the artist, but go to YouTube and type in Dust in the Wind. It's one of the most beautiful songs ever written. The, 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 the lyrics are very relevant and the music is beautiful. 
dust in the wind, all we are is, and that's biblical. Whoever put the song together, I don't know if that person was a believer or what, but it's biblical. All we are is dust in the wind. I know we look good, and they they look good at the Grammys last night. I know we look good. You're dust in the wind. In the whole scheme of things, in the scheme of in of things of God who is eternal, all we are is dust in the wind. I know you look good. I know you look good going to church. I know they looked good at the Grammys last night. All we are is dust in the wind. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while. If you live to be a hundred years old, that's 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 but a mist. One day is with the Lord like a thousand years. And a thousand years. I like one day. Time is for us. It's not for God. God is eternal. What what does a hundred years mean to God? God can wait. 3,000, 30,000, 100,000 years. And it'd be like the blink of an eye because he's eternal. Time is a reference for us. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Gone. 41, 61. 91, 100, 115. Instead, James said, you you ought to humble yourself. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will. If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. If it is the Lord's will. Now, if you say that in front of people, they're going to think you're being pious and and being, uh, you know, re- overly religious. Well, you just let them think that. But there's nothing wrong with saying, if it's the Lord's will, I'll do such and such. Because you just don't know. If it's the Lord's will, there's nothing wrong with saying that. If you, now, if you're in a relationship with the Lord, now, if you're not in a relationship with the Lord, then... You can't be expected to say that. But if you're in a relationship with the Lord, there's nothing wrong with saying, if it's the Lord's will, I'll do such and such. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business. He's speaking to people who are, who are in that mindset, the people of, of, of the, the wealthier people, because he's speaking to, if you look at, if you read James' whole letter, he often, he several times rebukes the wealthy, the rich. And he says, y'all need to be careful because you're letting your wealth go to your head. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. He's saying, don't let your money make you act funny. (laughs) Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? How dare you? How dare you let that money make you think that you're something that you're not? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, James said, you ought to say, 
if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. James said, y'all, y'all got a bad case of the big head. You boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Now, did Kobe boast about tomorrow? No, I'm not saying that because I don't know the man. I know he had plans. He had plans for his daughter, Gianna, Gigi. And I'm sure he had plans for his other children and his family. He retired from the NBA, I, I want to say five years ago. He had five NBA championships, one MVP, I do believe, two gold medal, two, two Olympic gold medals. He was a man of quiet accomplishment. If you remember, he came straight out of high school, like LeBron did. He came straight out of high school into the NBA, so he was extremely talented. He had a personal issue he had to deal with early in his career. He dealt with it in the legal system, and he overcame it. And as far as we know, we didn't hear anything else about his personal life. So like all of us, he stumbled in that area, and then he, he overcame it, like Michael Vick. Michael Vick stumbled in, in an area in his personal life. He served time in prison. You, you would never know it because there are some people who still want to dog the man out. He served time, federal time in prison. And Michael Vick has, you know, turned his life around. He's kept his nose clean, clean, and the Lord is blessing him. Kobe had a personal issue in his in his uh, early career, mid-career. I don't remember the exact year, but I remember the issue. He dealt with it. He and his wife dealt with it in their own way. And uh, he, he, he overcame it and moved forward. And now he's gone. Because tomorrow is not promised. I want to encourage you to either give your life to Jesus or if you already have given your life to Jesus, to be serious about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's be serious about our relationship with God. Our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us not play games. For this man died at the cross for our sins. The Bible says he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. I'm going to read to you that Philippians passage. Where Paul says to the Philippian Christians. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider robbery in robbery to be equal with God. He said that wasn't robbery for Jesus. He knew that he was God. He told the people, before Abraham was, I am. I'm the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I'm the Alpha. I am the Omega. But in order to save us, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus made himself of no reputation. 
He took upon him the form of a servant, a slave. The, the Greek word means a slave, a doulos, a slave. He took upon himself, Jesus, the Lord of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, became a slave. We fuss about slavery and our ancestors had to be in slavery. Oh, the white man treated us so bad. Jesus became a slave. <laughs> Glory to God. So we could be free. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the everlasting one, him who was from eternity, stepped down from the portals of glory, came down through 42 generations, and, and, and implanted himself into Mary's welcome womb, humbled himself, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh for the purpose of condemning sin. Not condemning sinners, condemning sin. Redeeming, saving sinners like you and me. He was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Why, why won't we humble ourselves before the Lord? He humbled himself. Why won't we humble ourselves? Why are we so haughty and arrogant when it comes to things of the Lord? Why are we so arrogant and haughty? Nobody can tell us anything. Here this man is. We, we, can't, lay, we can't lay claim to nearly the things that this man stepped down through the portals of glory, from the portals of glory. He never gave up his deity, but he gave up the outward splendor of his deity. And he clothed himself in sin, in the likeness of sinful flesh to walk among us, to be able to identify with our struggles, our issues, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things that pertain to God. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death. Hear that? He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Not any death. Not a lethal injection. Not, not uh, a mouthful of barbiturates. Even the death of the cross. The cross was probably invented by the Persians. But it was perfected by the Romans. They put their own brutal, sadistic twist on it. The cross. The Bible says, as I said earlier, he despised the shame. But he endured the cross. There were two thieves hanging on either side. There was a thief on one side and a thief on the other side. One thief cussed him out. The other thief said, Lord, we deserve to be here. Will you remember me when you come in your kingdom? Here, this thief, this man was talking to Jesus, and Jesus was on the cross just like they were. Jesus had been beaten by the Romans, and when they beat you, they didn't, you know, just tap you lightly a couple of times. He was beaten by the Romans, disfigured by the Romans. Jesus is on the cross, and once you were on the cross, 
that show was over. There, were, there was no writ of habeas corpus to get you off of that cross. The show was over. The cross was so brutal, the Romans didn't even execute their own citizens. It was, it was, it was uh, reserved. Crucifixion was reserved for the vilest of criminals, for foreigners. Remember, Jesus was a Jew. He wasn't a Roman. So he had no rights of Roman citizenship. So Jesus is hanging there on the cross. And the thief, one of them, said, Lord, we deserve to be here. Will you remember me when you come in your kingdom? That thief had the prophetic insight. Not on his own. The insight had to be given to him from above. You don't have that kind of revelation about God, about Jesus, on your own. Jesus said it himself. When he said, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say you're one of the prophets or Moses or Jeremiah. Jesus said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Peter and Jesus said, you're blessed to have that revelation. Flesh and blood has not revealed that unto you, Peter, but my father who's in heaven. You cannot have the understanding of who Jesus is unless God opens the eyes of your understanding. And so we see this thief on the cross. He's a thief on the cross condemned to die by the Roman government. By the government that God allowed to be established at that time. And God opens the eyes of this man's understanding. Gives him the revelation of who Jesus is. And he says, Lord, we know that you're on this. We're all three of us on this cross, but we know, or not we know, I know. You're going to rise again from the dead and you're going to have a kingdom. Otherwise, why would he say, remember me when you come in your kingdom? Glory to the Lamb of God. Why would he say that? He had to have that revelation from on high, from God. Remember me, Lord, when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus didn't say, yeah, I ain't thinking about you. You're not a Jew. You're not a, you know. Or he might have been a Jew. The fact that he was on the cross, so I, I, I regress. I mean, I, I, I backtrack there. The man might have been a Jew. But, he, but Jesus could have said, you know, I, I, I ain't got time for you. Jesus said, I say to you this day, you'll be with me in paradise. All because the man said, remember me when you come in your kingdom. All because the man humbled himself. Wherefore, God, um, uh, Jesus became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Will we humble ourselves before the Lord? 
where we uh, consider the brevity of life. Life is brief. My mother died at 68. My grandmother, her mother, died at 55. My father died at 45. His father, I don't know how old his father was, but I know my father was about six when his father died. That means his father couldn't have been, you know, more than in his 40s probably. You see that? So I don't have a long bloodline. My 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 bloodline is not does not for some a lot of it is lifestyle. <laughs> a lot of it is lifestyle. But if you notice my family does not you know you don't see people in my family living to be 98, 92, 106. Maybe that's in your family. But my mother died at 68, my father died at 45. My mother's mother died at 55. My father's mother, I remember when she died, but I don't know how old she was. She, she appeared, she died of breast cancer. Uh, she appeared to be in her 60s, maybe early 70s. I know she wasn't 80. Life is brief. Even if you live to be 100, life is still brief. So let us be serious about the things of God. We're, we're, leaving this, we're, we're leaving this world one way or another through the undertaker or through the upper taker. <laughs> we're leaving this world through the undertaker or through the upper taker. Jesus is the upper taker. You're going to leave this world. If you're a Christian, you're going to leave this world through death and resurrection or you're going to be raptured. Let me read that passage to you. It's one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture. If, you, if you're a believer in Jesus, the Bible says the Lord himself. You see, there are times when the Lord, if you'll notice, there are times when the Lord will send people to do things. He'll send an apostle Matter of fact, the word apostle means uh, sent one. He'll send an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, a missionary, a deacon, a mother, a saint. You don't have to have a title for the Lord to send you to do something. I was just using that as, as examples. But when it comes to raising us from the dead, what we call the rapture of the church, the Lord is not going to send an angel, Gabriel, Michael. The only three angels who have, who, are, who have been named in the Bible. One of them, Lucifer, is now Satan. Lucifer, Satan was Lucifer, an angel who guarded God's throne, but he got a bad case of the big head, and God kicked him out of heaven along with a third of the angels. The other two angels who have been named are Michael, who guards the children of Israel. He guards the nation of Israel. That's why when you hear these nations, these people talking about death to Israel, Iran, ignore that. Ignore that. Ignore that. Death to Israel. Come on, stop. <laughs> Michael guards the children of Israel. And Gabriel is the other one. You remember Gabriel was sent to announce the birth of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus Christ. So those are the only three angels 
in the Bible who have been named, given names that, that we know of. You know, they're, they're the only ones whose names, Lucifer, who's now Satan, the enemy of our soul, Michael, who guards the nation, the children of Israel, and Gabriel. But when the Lord comes for us, he's not going to send Michael or Gabriel. Bible says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul said, because there was confusion, there were people wondering, well, if the Lord comes back, what about my dead grandmother? What about my dead father? What about my dead 13-year-old daughter? So there was angst. There was confusion about, uh, well, what would happen to them? And so Paul, the apostle, had to deal with that issue. And so the Lord gave him a word to give to them. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Asleep is a term used to describe the death of the Christian. Asleep. That you, because it's, because it's like we're asleep and then we're going to wake up in his likeness one day, right? Concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others who have no hope. Who are those who have no hope? Those who don't know Jesus. You have no hope until you give your life to Jesus, for he's the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory, right? Paul said, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, meaning this is a sure thing. This is not my opinion. This is not from denominational headquarters. This is the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, that's a King James word that just means precede or go before or block. We will not prevent them which are asleep. He's saying when Jesus comes back, he's going to deal with the dead saints and the living saints. We're going to all be caught up as I'll show you in the next few verses. So if your grandmother died, 28 years ago, if your mother died 40 years ago, or your father died 16 years ago, or your child died yesterday. The Lord has got that taken care of, if they're believers. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Did you hear that? The Lord himself. Glory to the Lamb of God. Not Paul, not Ezekiel, not Daniel, not Jeremiah, not Moses, not Aaron, not Joshua, not Gabriel, not Michael, not Miriam, not Deborah. Not Eve, not Adam, the Lord himself, hallelujah, glory to the Lamb of God, the Lord himself. See, he, he sends people to do things. He's probably sent you to do some things. But this one, this is the Lord. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. He's going to send a shout out. And if you notice when people send a shout out, they only send a shout out to people they know, people they're intimate with. I want to send a shout out to Bennett High School, class of 71, my sister's graduating class. I want to send a shout out to Lafayette High School, class of 75. I want to send a shout out to Cedar Shoals High School in Athens, Georgia. I want to send a shout out to all my my, my, my crew at Miller Grove High School, Lithonia, Georgia. 
I want to send a shout out to the Bills Mafia, Buffalo Bills Mafia. We only send a shout out to people we are intimate with or we have, we're in agreement with. The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Because in those days, trumpets were used to call the people together for assembly for different reasons. So trump means trumpet. With the trump of God and the dead in Christ. So Paul is dealing with that issue. He says the dead in Christ will rise first. So your mama who died of breast cancer, your child who died in the car accident or the plane or helicopter accident, your father who died of prostate cancer, your great-grandmother whom you love so dearly and she loved Jesus and you miss her so much and she's been gone for 30 years and you weep over her every Mother's Day or every time you think about her. The Lord hasn't forgotten about her. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive, Paul said, at the coming of the Lord, and remain shall be caught up. That's what the word rapture. The word rapture is not in the Bible, but this the concept is. Just like the word cat is not in the Bible. It doesn't mean there were no cats. <laughs> okay. The word rapture is from a Latin word. It means ecstasy. We're going to be caught up. Both the dead will be raised and those who are alive when Jesus comes back. We don't know when he's coming back. But when he does come back, living believers will be caught up and dead believers will be raised from the dead. Remember Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. When well, now it's going to be church come forth. Glory to the Lamb of God. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. You're going to meet the Lord in the air. Glory to the Lord. You're going to meet the Lord in the air. The Lord. You're going to meet the Lord in the air. The Lord. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus said, in my Father's house and many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go away, I'll come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Here's the main reason that Jesus himself would descend because in the Jewish wedding, when it was time for the bridegroom to come and get his bride, the father would say to the son, go get your bride. The son would have to go get his bride. So Jesus is the bridegroom. We, the church, that's all believers in Jesus, all, all the, the church. We are the bride. So in the Jewish culture, the Jewish wedding, the father would say to the son, your bride is ready. Go claim your bride. Glory to the Lamb of God. See, right now we're in the engagement period. Since Jesus left the earth about 
2,000 years ago. We're in that betrothal period, that period. Remember that period that Joseph and Mary were in? They were married, but the marriage had not been consummated yet. They would not had sex yet. And they were living apart from each other. And then Joseph found out she was pregnant. And he was thinking that she had stepped out on him, but she hadn't. She was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. The angel of the Lord came to Joseph and said, Joseph, you son of David, fear not to take Mary as your wife for that thing that is within her is conceived by the Holy Spirit. And you're going to name him Jesus. We're not asking you, we're telling you, you're going to name him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. For the name of Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. If that didn't get you excited, I can't help you. So the father says to the son, go get your bride. She's ready. So when Jesus comes back, he's not sending back Gabriel or Michael. He's, he, the Bible says the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Your mother died of breast cancer. She's not rising with that same body. My father died of cancer at age 45. If he knew Jesus, he's not rising with that same body. My mother had about 15 strokes. The last one is the one that took her out. It was in the right here in the back of her brain. October of 2006. It's the last stroke. That's the one that took her out. And then she lived about another two weeks after that, and she was gone. But she was a believer in Jesus. I know she was. I'm not saying that because she's my mother. My mother accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. I took her to a Billy Graham crusade at the old Georgia Dome. She accepted Jesus. She began to ask questions about the Lord. She began to stay up all night and watch that all-night preacher, Arnold Murray, on TV. She began to ask me and my sisters and others who knew about Jesus, began to ask us questions about the Lord. She had a hunger and thirst after righteousness. She accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. She died October 6, 2006. October 2006. I always get the date mixed up, but it was 2000, as October 2006. She died. She had that massive stroke. She had, a lot of, she had a lot of strokes. She was a smoker, and she had had heart problems all her life almost, rheumatic fever and stuff like that, but she was a smoker, and she didn't stop smoking until toward the end of her life. So... That, that helped contribute to the problem, right? You've had strokes and you're still smoking, right? Problem. But she accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. But when she is raised from the dead at the coming of Jesus, she's not going to be raised with that same body. That body, the Bible says, is corruptible. It's corrupted. It's mortal. The Bible says that when Jesus returns, corruption shall put on incorruption and mortal shall put on immortality. Hallelujah. It's in 1 Corinthians 15. Then shall be brought to pass the saying, Death. Death shall be swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. So your mother who died of breast cancer, your daddy who died of prostate cancer, your child who died in that car accident, or your child who died violently at the hand of gangbangers or whatever, when that person is raised from the dead, will be raised. The Bible says in 1 John, we'll be raised and we'll look just like Jesus. We'll be raised in a glorified, resurrected body. Won't be raised in that body that went into the ground or was cremated. 
won't be raised with that body. That body is, is earthly. That body is, the Bible says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom.